Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Um, football season practice time? Is there going to be a football season time? Uh, do we act like there's going to be a season time and then adjust time? Uh, may- maybe we try to be pessimistic. Not pessimistic. Optimistic time? Bad intro time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Got the full crew today. Recording this on a Tuesday morning. Hopefully going to drop it to you around lunchtime on Tuesday. By full crew, I'll go left to right here on the Zoom screen that I can see, but y'all can't. Grant Ramey, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan, and and fellas, um, it's another week. Uh, another week where we don't know maybe a ton about how much we're going to see Tennessee or not see Tennessee play. Uh, a lot of the news, certainly nationally, not trending uh, where we would like it to, but before we get to that, fellas, how are we doing? Doing well. Good to good to hear from the the whole crew. We haven't haven't had a full reunion here in a while, have we? We have not. We have not. It's I want to revisit the uh, being pessimistic thing from the intro because hey, I got that covered. <laughs> <laughs> your your uh, everyone else's my pessimism nat- is my granted. natural state of being. Yeah, is the but other than that, I mean, you know, Pat, you good? Haven't heard from you yet. You doing all right? Yeah, this is uh, first podcast in the new house. Yeah, congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, for, uh, Thank from you. The, the new undisclosed location. Uh, it's that's some further away from all of you, so that's good news. That is true. That's the, that's. Do the... you have a Do you have a new recording studio in the in the new home? Uh, I do have an office. Yes. All right. I've uh, got a walk-in closet. So yeah. <laughs> Ramey uh, did did point out the further farther thing, which he does every single time that we're in the car. Uh, for did I do it wrong? Did I say it wrong? Did I say it wrong? Yes, you did. It's farther. Why don't you explain it to the morons like me? It's a physical distance. Farther is a physical distance. I'm farther away from you than whatever. Yeah, that's correct. Further, further is further up in the standings than Arsenal. Someone, someone needs to get their uh, their internet uh, or microphone cord further to uh, away from the static. Yeah, that's true. Wait, Wait, so what is further? It's not a physical state. It's not yeah. a physical distance. Yeah. Is it like a metaphorical distance? Yes, hypothetical, whatever. I don't know what yeah. the word is. Like this podcast <laughs> is getting further from the point. I can't explain the, the rule. I just know the rule. Right. Yeah, this this podcast exactly is getting further is getting further the off the rails, which is fine. There's right. no problem with that because uh, I do want to point out though. Ryan did say that's first time it's the whole crew been together. Everyone's, uh, I think everyone except for me has been stepping away for a couple of days here or there because y'all have had uh, some fun things to do. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll get some fun things to do here in the Rucker House at some point. Uh, but uh, you know what? It's tough, and and the reason it's tough is because 
Uh, obviously, the coronavirus, COVID-19, a lot of things going on. It's certainly thrown a wrecking ball into everything, not just for each, you know all of us, pretty much, I would guess, just about all of us uh, individually and our families in terms of uh, what can we do this summer, what can we not do. Uh, it's also having much more serious impacts. It's uh, costing still uh, a lot of people their jobs. Uh, certainly thoughts go out to everyone who's been affected by that. And there's still questions about when and where uh, college sports can be played again. Uh, we're, we're seeing this, uh, I guess, a lot of this throughout the sports world, uh, throughout the, you know, some of the, um, some of the major sports. You know, some of them have have come back. Some of them are starting to come back. Um, but you're seeing in a lot of these cases, uh, these games are coming back, but these athletes, uh, in some cases, don't want to play. Uh, they they've opted out of the seasons, or uh, they have. Uh, said I'm I might maybe will play but I don't feel good about it uh, certainly not as much say uh, from the college kids uh, they're they're sort of told hey um, go there and play and, and that's what they do uh, but right now the latest is we simply do not know uh, there was a statement that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey uh, released to, I believe ESPN on Monday night uh, it's kind of a milk toast uh, statement I guess that we would expect uh, about this sort of a situation when he said Things are not trending in the right direction right now, but uh, we will probably make a decision closer to late July. Uh, and then if one of y'all wants to talk about our own, Brandon Marcello had a had a recent content item up about uh, what he has heard. Uh, I know, uh, Pat, I think you're the one who referenced that on some of our board. What's the latest that, that, that old BMARS has? Well, the old um, – the Ivy League has talked pretty openly about doing a, a football season in the spring um and per our brandon marcello who's pretty locked in with the sec offices used to work on our auburn site uh until we moved him into more of a national role um it does not sound like the sec has even really discussed a spring season at this point and that all of their focus has been on uh potential plans for for the fall um and i know just because you know just if the Ivy league does one thing, doesn't mean that everybody's going to follow suit. Um, I don't know that a spring season is really feasible. Um, uh, that's just kind of my two cents on the, on the matter. But um, from the sec standpoint, you mentioned uh, Sankey talking about it. I think he was on the rich Eisen show even a few weeks ago and, and said that kind of pointed to mid July, late July as the time when, as the time frame when they need to you know, really make some decisions. Obviously there's been a lot of planning going on as, as, as Marcelo reported last week, I haven't really discussed uh, at all playing in the spring. Um, obviously, there's a there's a whole different level of complications with those potentially. Um, when you're talking about players sitting out for the NFL, having to play two seasons in one year, which I, I don't I don't know that that's fair on on players. But um, to this point, according to him, the SEC hasn't discussed it. Will they discuss it? Um, I'm sure they're meeting and talking on just about a daily basis in some capacity. So. Uh, we'll just have to see how how they go, but this is obviously a big month, just because, as you mentioned, and uh, as Sankey has said on a couple of times, uh, on a couple of occasions now, that this month is sort of like you know they're they're supposed to start practice here in about I think what a month from today, August seventh is the date where teams can start practice. Yes. So yes, um, this is when they need to make a, a, a determination about is the season going to start on time, or they have to play conden a condensed schedule, all those kind of things. So uh, we're getting close to kind of crunch time on that front. Yeah, I think the some of the basic 
thoughts that that we've heard, and I should mention this. I think most people will know this, but just in case most so, some people don't, uh, in Division One certainly it's different uh, than it is in, in in football than it is in other sports. Where <clears throat> other sports you're kind of Division One or or your Division Two or Division Three. Uh, you've got FBS and FCS levels uh, there in college football for Division One. So uh, the Ivy League w- is an FCS league, and, and and so in theory, if FCS wanted to play in the spring. That wouldn't have a tremendous impact on FBS. You'd have a couple people who needed to, to I guess, tweak some game schedules here or there, maybe in the FBS ranks. So uh, that's not necessarily uh, a deal breaker. I don't think it's something that you know, certainly to keep on the radar. Uh, and, and if you think that it's kind of like a canary in a coal mine for how things will go for the FBS, then you know, then you could believe, okay, uh, that this is this is some bad news. But but the the basic gist here is that. Um, I don't, I don't want to say this a hundred percent. It looks to me more and more like, uh, any thoughts of just a regular season being played scheduled as is with a hundred percent of fans in the stands. I'm almost certain we can throw that out the window at this point. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that. Uh, so I guess I would say I'm just mostly certain, but you just look at the way everything is going and it's hard for me to see how this schedule gets played as is a hundred percent full in the stands. It just, it doesn't seem to add up right now. No, I would agree with that. Sorry if y'all heard my kids trying to beat down the door. I was scrambling for the mute button. Uh, I didn't hear anything, but okay. Nope. Okay. That's good. Capacity. I mean, we're sitting here, what, eight weeks from when the schedule or when the season was scheduled to start. Um, I just don't see how we make up that much progress. I mean, it feels like we haven't made that much progress uh, since March. It's been, what, three, four months uh, since all this started, since uh, sports started being shut down. I think if you're Tennessee or if you're any of these FBS, SEC schools, you have to plan for whatever you think the highest percentage of fans you're going to be able to get in the stadium is for the fall and then kind of work your way backwards. Uh, If it's 50%, if it's whatever number, whatever the number is, plan for that biggest number uh, and then because you can always scale back it's going to be a lot harder yep. to scale up if you do somehow if somehow progress is made over the next you know however many weeks I, I don't I don't know in terms of I think schedule uh, you know the, the non-conference schedule trying to figure out kind of all the games you're going to be able to play whatever is going to be much more difficult than say you know how many people can you fit in Neyland Stadium on a Saturday afternoon and moving it to the spring, I, I assume that's a possibility. I, I mean, you have to look out obviously for the health of the players, but at the same time, you really need the money that comes from college football. That's mm-hmm. what props up all these athletic departments. It's what everybody's been talking about for the last, you know, X number of weeks, months. Uh, and you have to find a way to get that, but moving it to the spring, I don't know at a school like Tennessee, how logistically possible that is because you're trying to balance a basketball season men's and women's basketball, baseball, softball. Uh, just I don't know how all that fits together on one schedule in the spring. But I think for right now you plan for the fall, uh, playing 12 games and trying to figure out, you know, how that happens and, and what the stadium looks like when it happens. Yeah. Well, and I, and go ahead, I think Brian. it's a it's a little bit uh, misleading, I guess, how it's been presented, what Philip Fulmer has said on this topic, because I feel like a lot of people have kind of heard some of his statements and sort of oversimplified he's expecting a full stadium um and that's not really what philip fulmer has said uh what what he really is has said has been we're preparing uh for the possibility of a full stadium 
knowing there's a chance we could end up needing to scale down. But, you know, as you said, Grant, it's easier to scale down than to scale up in your preparations. So I, I, I do think that's, that's something people need to keep in mind is that Philip Fulmer is not, you know, he has not painted an overly rosy picture saying it's definitely going to be a full stadium. We're expecting a full stadium. He's just talking about sort of how they're preparing for it because no one wants to say anything right now. No one wants to say, hey, we think there's going to be a half full stadium this year. Um, that's there are going to be some upset people if and when that happens. And you want to delay that <laughs> that reaction as long as possible uh, and, and not give people any any reason to, to be upset yet. So uh, they've got a lot to figure yeah. out. And these these next few weeks, obviously, will be a will be a key stretch, as you guys said, and, and figuring that out. You know, high school football in Tennessee this week is being sorted out. You know, we, the, the NFL is starting to get around to talking about how many fans they might have in stands. We're, we're hearing some of that talk You know, the Tennessee Titans preparing for a less than capacity stadium this year. So obviously you got to start making preparations now. And I, I think we'll know a lot more about how this football season will look in the next two to three weeks. I think, I think Fulmer's being a little bit more optimistic than anything else. I don't, I don't think he's saying they're definitely going to have yeah. a full stadium. I, I don't think there's any chance at this point, they're going to have a full stadium. And I really think the only way a spring season works out is if you know, you can have a full stadium. Uh, Cause otherwise I don't, I don't think that that's feasible from a standpoint of grant, as you mentioned, the logistics of, of, of top, you know, putting football on top of all the other sports that, that are going to be playing. Um, as I mentioned, if, if, you know, senior classes everywhere are going to be sitting out, if, you know, for the NFL draft, you're going to have underclassmen that are going to be sitting out for the NFL draft. So you're diluting the product and then you have a chance, you know, then you're, you're trying to squeeze two seasons into one calendar year where, you know, if you tear your ACL in the first game of a spring season, you're going to miss two seasons. I mean, I, I don't know how you, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how that makes sense, but at the same time, uh, if they're going to try to play this fall, uh, and they are, they have to take into account uh, the the health and safety of the players. Um, and, and Tennessee right now, I think, has been the outlier up to this point in not having anybody test positive. Um, now they're going to do another round of testing, I think, this week, having given mm-hmm. players time to, to mm-hmm. uh, some time off. Uh, I know some players have gone back home and, and have left campus, and, and when they come back to campus, they're going to be tested some more. So I'd uh, love to see if Tennessee keeps it at zero. Uh, but they're the outlier right now because, I mean, Clemson's had, what, 30-something guys, you know, 35, 30, almost 40 guys. A few places have had to shut down workouts because of a positive test, just try to get the thing under control. Um, so, but, I mean, it, it's – yeah, it, I remember a couple of weeks ago, Fulmer was saying how optimistic he was about how things are, are trending in the right direction. And it seems like since then they've been going the other way in, in terms of what's been, been going on. Yeah. Kiss of death. Uh, you know, and, and, and I say this too, there's a couple of reasons why I think you're seeing what you're seeing right now. First off, everyone can see what trend this thing is going in right now, but of course uh, that trend doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to continue in that direction. I think that's one thing. I, I think uh, the other thing uh, is this, and I think don't discount this too. None of the sort of major conferences or, or schools, you know, the sort of traditional Power Five conferences, you know, the, the the powerful programs in the Power Five, none of them want to be the first to come out and say, "Oh, by the way, uh, we're gonna we're not gonna play this fall," or we, you know, it's just not gonna work out for us. Because once you start doing that, then everybody else who was like, oh, thank God we wanted to say that, but now we, we couldn't say it. Then they're going to start saying it, and everyone's going to blame the first couple people who did it because that's just the way 
sort of the mob mentality works and nobody wants to be the first program or first major conference to do that. And the second thing, and this is, I don't know of a really, you know, kind of softer way to put this. So I'll just come out and say it. You have to, to there, I don't know how you come up with the mathematical formula, uh, because you're combining math and ethics and so many other things, but you're coming down to an argument of how many of these things can we risk to get the money that all of us need to operate our budgets? And it is a terrible, terrible thing to think about. No one enjoys it. I promise you they're not going to come out and say it. But when you look at the average kind of college athletics budget, and I know that we don't break these things down specifically as I think I used to back in the newspaper days, if I'm being candid with you. Um, but I, I've done this in the past several times where you kind of look, you, you kind of send in, in the request and, and you get the, the full budget back and you look at it and you see how much money comes in through football, uh, through football uh, season ticket sales and football vending concessions, football parking, all of these things. It is staggering how much of an athletic department runs on that money. Because if you're uh, a lot of men's basketball programs across the country, Tennessee being one of them, they make money. Okay. They create a positive for the athletic department and in a decent chunk of change. Nothing compared to what football brings in. It, it, it runs, and, and that's just when you look at a, a, a university's athletic budget. Uh, then you start talking about a university budget in general. Then you start talking about uh, the changes to the city, uh, county, and sort of regional state levels, uh, the economic boom that comes from all of you know, those eight days or so a year. Uh, Knoxville is a metro area of approximately a million people. When you talk about the counties that touch Knoxville, the people who basically say, I live in Knoxville. Um, that's about a million people or so. And that, that economy rest, it, it is so important. Those eight days a year are so important and everyone has to be involved in this. And if you take away an entire season full of fans being in the stands, um, you know, not, not just 50%, but like a hundred percent, you just say they're going to play, but there's going to be no fans in there, or there's going to be only, you know, maybe 10,000 fans in there, whatever it is. You talk about the money that is lost by universities, athletic departments, local governments, guys, that's a staggering amount of money. And right now the economy is bad as it is. That That's a recipe for, for trouble. So how do you go about making this decision? I, I don't know. I mean, the, the kicker here is these are college athletes. I Correct. Mean, if you're a professional athlete, you're your own business. You're, 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 you know, Tom Brady Incorporated can work out and risk, you know, infecting, getting the virus, whatever, with these workouts he's holding because that's his business decision. This is the way he makes his living. Uh, I mean, these kids are not, you know, amateur athletes that are trying to get to the next level and, you know, whatever. I think from Tennessee's perspective, you feel like, it's good that there's no positive test, but you also kind of feel like it's a win, not if kind of proposition. I mean, eventually it feels like that wave's going to crash and there's going to be some positive tests moved through your program and you have to kind of figure out how to deal with those over the next few weeks and keep moving forward. But obviously, I mean, the hit's going to be there because you know it's not going to be a normal football season in terms of attendance. I think you, but you also have to balance the fact that you want to play because you want to put a product on TV because right now that TV deal would be more valuable than ever. Yes. Because everybody is so starved for sports, football, live, something on TV, 
after these last few months. So that's, I mean, the, the administrators, everybody that's making these decisions, they make, they're obviously paid very well. They're earning every single penny of what they're paid because they have to, you know, they've got a finite amount of time to figure this out and figure out how they're going to adjust to certain scenarios and what they're going to do moving forward. I mean, if you go back to March, uh, all this was happening on a Wednesday night. Thursday morning was the SEC tournament. You know, it, it went up to an hour before Tennessee was supposed to play. They were making all these decisions in hours, not days, not weeks, not months. So you have a little bit more time, but you still have all these scenarios that you have to figure out and work through and, and try to balance it. And, and to be clear here, I, I don't think any of us, before we go to break here, I, I, I think we need to, to – to, this seems like a well-duh kind of situation – but none of us are, uh, as far as I know, none of us are uh, medical doctors or epidemiologists. Am I correct in assuming that? I know I'm not. I know what my degrees says. Uh, do do y'all have any uh, MDs uh, running around your house? I went no. to medical school. I just chose not to go that route. Yeah, you know. I, I got mean, the degree. I just didn't want to use it. The closest I come is I put Dr. Wes Rucker on my credentials every year just for fun uh, there for practice. Either that or I write your mom, one of the two, uh, on, on the credentials. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I so when I look at this, I'm not qualified to say what really should be done here. I'm not going to pretend that I am, uh, and I don't think any of us are, because we can see that, yes, the percentages, um, the number of tests, the number of positive tests are going up all the time, but, you know, the, the rate, the, there's not as many deaths. So, you know, as people say, is is the virus changing? You know, is it? Uh, are we doing a better job protecting our most vulnerable people? I don't know. I can't sit here and tell you that, and I, that's why – I'm trying to be careful what I say here because this is such a divisive topic and, and I, I don't know the answer. Um, the only thing I know is that you should wear a freaking mask. That's all I know. If you're out in public, uh, wear a freaking mask. Uh, that, that seems to be... Well, it, ten- it, Tennessee has made its... I mean, their players are wearing masks pretty much except for when they're they're working out. The, the, the thing with college athletics, and Grant, you pointed out that they're not professional athletes, um, is that you have to kind of... You, you can't bubble them. You know what I mean? Like you, you can, you can take a professional team and keep them in a hotel and keep them kind of secluded. Um, you can't really, you know, it's, it's tougher to do that with college kids because they're college kids. They're gonna, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna go kind of out and do their thing. Uh, I think what college programs and I think what Tennessee has yet to encounter, since they haven't had a positive test yet, is, is, is how do you stop it from spreading throughout your whole team? And um, the, the the way that Tennessee's done it is. Uh, you know, that players get to the, the complex every day and they fill out a questionnaire. I'm not sure what's on the questionnaire. I imagine it's probably like, have you been anywhere? Where'd you go? That kind of stuff. They get temperature checks. I don't, um, I, I, you know, I don't, like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I don't know. That's just measuring a fever. Uh, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a giveaway if, if, if somebody's going to test positive or anything. So yeah, cause asymptom- um, asymptomatic people are all over the place. And they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, distance where they can. Um, and, and they really haven't had, I mean, uh, you know, players have been around each other and, and stuff. And I, I think to this point, players deserve credit because I think, you know, for, for so many other places to have players testing positive and Tennessee to have zero, I think Tennessee's players, may, maybe they're doing something right. Maybe they're just lucky. I don't know. But um, how, how teams handle, because uh, w- once they cleared everybody for workouts, like you, you knew there were going to be players that test positive. That's just kind of, that, that should have been expected. And, mm-hmm. and I think the question for a lot of places was how do you go about handling it and making sure that you, you know, guys are isolated. They're not infecting their teammates, all that kind of stuff. So um, Tennessee hasn't had to cross that bridge yet because they haven't come to it. But 
uh, depending on how this next round of testing goes, it, they could. Well, I mean, and Ramey talks about it all his time with his own kids all the time about kind of a Petri dish, you know, like every time they go to daycare or whatever, it's just basically like a Petri dish. You basically just said his kids are just like little, just just gross and yeah, I mean, nasty. That's I mean, what you just said. He's That's rude. He, he said a million things worse than that about them. <laughs> you know, what, what I'm saying here is, is this before we go to break here, it, it, it's worth remembering here that a college campus is just about. I think of like the worst ways you could spread this thing or the easiest ways. The first thing I think of is the first thing a lot of us think of, right? Public transportation, like in major cities uh, with, with the airports and with their kind of uh, their subway systems and train systems and everything, all those people crammed into one area, they're using the same handrail, they're stuck into basically a cigar box, you know, for a long time. Th- that's, that's bad. That's probably the worst. Just about the second worst thing I can think of um, other than a hospital would, would be a college campus because you've got kids a place like Tennessee, right? 26,000 plus students, more faculty. Uh, These students are coming from all over the state, all over the country, all over the world. And if they get back on campus, if that's what they do, if they do on-campus classes, you are bringing in people from literally all over the world back into campus. And these college, these Tennessee football players are going to be going to classes with them, right? You can't avoid this stuff. So if they come back, guess what? There's going to be um, there's going to be more positive tests. I, I, I think we can all say that's probably going to happen. So the, the question is, are you prepared for that? Can you handle it when it happens? And is, is there still a, a mostly safe way to do that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that any of us know. But the bottom line is, as we're recording this on Tuesday, guys, uh, Tennessee has not announced any major changes. So uh, still, uh, amazingly enough, there's been a couple of positive tests uh, for, for basketball, uh, none for football to this point. So uh, we'll update that. And I don't think any of us expect that to stay that way, do we? I mean, is that that'd be beyond naive, wouldn't it, to, to imagine that they don't have any it's, ever? Yeah, it's, I don't think it's realistic to keep that up. But, uh, you know, again, it, it's, it's going to be about the national and, and conference-wide response to this. And I, I'm, I'm still of the belief, I've been telling people this, I, I, I think it's true. I think the SEC is much more likely, just in general, to make it, find a way to make it work this fall. If there's a way to pull off football, I think they're going to do it. Um, I think, the, I think the, it's, it's so important to the culture in the Southeast it's uh the the states i think are mostly on the same page about how to handle things i think we're going to see high school football played in a lot of these these southeastern states i think all that's going to lead to there at least being a good chance that college football season starts in the sec now what that means for other conferences i'm you know we'll have to wait and see the pac-12 uh some of these other conferences that that are in areas that might be affected you know we'll, we'll see how they handle it but i'm of the belief that the sec at least starts the season it's just a matter of how things are handled once things get going. And do you have some major hiccups along the way that potentially throw a wrench into things? And I think the spring has to be treated as a last resort because as we've talked about, there's some major complications there. And I just think the, uh, the idea of waiting till the spring to see if things are better, you don't know if things are going to be any better then. So you, so you might as well go ahead and if you have an opportunity, a window to play this fall, do it. And that's why I think the SEC is kind of being smart and focusing most, if not all, of its attention on finding a way to, to play this fall. And then the, I think the decision to, on who on whether they'll play will will be made by the SEC. I think the SEC will leave decision on how many fans, what capacity, all that stuff. I think they might leave that up to the individual schools. That's just a hunch on my part because they kind of did that with the return date. They kind of said, okay, June eight is when that's allowed for players to come back to campus, but the schools have the discretion. So um, I think the SEC will probably 
make the decision more than the NCA on, on who plays um, and what the schedule is. But uh, I think, I think they'll leave up the individual stadium decisions to schools themselves. What, what if the SEC, what if the SEC funded vaccine research and came up with the vaccine and it was called the, it just means more shot. Yes. Boom. Done. It, it just You're means done. more safety. Well, and Pat, to your point, football. <laughs> it just Pat, means to your more point, football. The, the, the professional leagues do seem to be taking that approach. We're hearing about the NFL and maybe even major league baseball to a degree, uh, kind of leaving it up to each team and, and how each state is enforcing uh, rules or laws on, on how many people can be in a, in a place at a given time. So, and, and, and those decisions may be kind of overtaken by what local governments do. Cause if, if we get to a point where, state county whatever city uh whatever those entities are decide okay we're gonna ban gatherings of more than 50 people then you're planning to have the, the stadium 30 percent full 30 percent of 102,000 is is what grant do the math yeah right <laughs> I, i'll say this the one of the it's a, it's a lot more than, than 50 people so that that's 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 where um, the decision is it could be wind up in the hands of the individual schools, but it also may not. Well, and I'll say this too. This will be the very last thing before we go to break. I, I said I didn't have any ideas for a policy. I do only have one. It, it, I think that sort of a a one-time sort of amnesty redshirt needs to be on the table for anyone who doesn't feel comfortable playing this season. I think that's the very mm-hmm. least the NCAA could do. If they're going to allow some of those baseball players from last year, you know, a lot of the, the spring sports guys to, to the seniors to come back and play another year, uh, I think when you're seeing some of the professional guys who are saying, I don't want to play right now in certain sports, uh, I don't know how you could expect college kids to, to, especially since they don't have millions of dollars to fall back on, they don't get, definitely have a future – making millions of dollars uh, i i think that the the very least the NCAA could do is say if you're a fall sport athlete and you don't want to play this year uh you get a free amnesty year you don't you know you certainly if you play you you ruin that but no matter what else happens you still have the other red shirt available you just kind of get one year added to your clock i think that's something the NCAA should pass already um, but you know, that, that's the only thing that I can think of. Um, but certainly there are lots of other people out there with lots of other ideas. We're going to keep, uh, talking about this stuff. Uh, there's certainly a lot to discuss there. Um, then it's going to be the main topic for the most part, uh, until we get news on this. So we're going to keep follow- following that. We're going to have more of it on GoBoss 24 seven, but right now we're going to go back to a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit of um, maybe actual football, uh, a little bit of actual football recruiting news. So uh, uh, there's always stuff to discuss there. So what we're going to do is we're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to some product services, in-house ads, those other fun things, and we're going to be right back in just one second, guys. Hashtag ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own 
Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago uh, during that commercial break. We appreciate the people uh, who sponsored this program. You can tell how sort of rusty we are in the summer, right? Like, we're, we're trying to get in and out of breaks quickly. Yeah, you know, just a little, a little rusty, a little rusty in the summer. It is what it is. We're all, uh, uh, it's, it's where we are right now, fellas. Uh, but before we talk about a little Tennessee football recruiting uh, here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, I, I do uh, want to mention this. Uh, go in and uh, rate and review this podcast. Uh, it's something that we we don't mention as much as we need to. Uh, we try not to inundate you with it. We try not to flood your inbox and, and flood your your air your your ear holes with it. Uh, but we do appreciate that. We do this podcast for free, and we're really happy to do it. Uh, but uh, the one thing we ask in return: go in there and rate and review this podcast. Just click it, however many stars you think it deserves, and then write a review because nothing that you do uh, can help spread this podcast more than doing that. Uh, obviously, word of mouth is still good. Uh, tell all your friends about it. But uh, also, just go in there, you know, it'll just take you a minute or two to do that, and we really appreciate it. Got the full crew in the house, Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan, uh, talking a little Tennessee football after we spoke a little bit of about COVID-19 in the first segment. Uh, guys, uh, Tennessee football recruiting. Uh, they're no longer uh, are the Vols sitting here picking up uh, commitments every single day uh, like it was there for a while last month when everything got really, really fun. Uh, but right now, uh, seems like, uh, things had to slow down at some point. They are slowing down now. Uh, Ryan, I guess I'll start with you on this kind of where in general are things. Yeah, I, I guess about where you would expect them to be at, 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 23 commitments, except, uh, you know, we've continued to say this really throughout that whole run Tennessee had, and, and it's still the case. They're, they're definitely not anywhere close to being finished with this class. Uh, despite the numbers being where they are, they're still, looking to add two or three more offensive linemen to this class, still looking to add two or three more defensive linemen to this class, still looking for an edge rusher, still looking for cornerback help, um, certainly any, any secondary help uh, that's still on the board there. They're after a lot of those guys. So just, just a long way from being finished. Um, and, and, and that will remain the case, I think, for the foreseeable future. But still in a spot where, because their numbers are where they are, they don't have to be looking for for just guys to fill spots at this point. They essentially are, are looking to fill needs or upgrade uh, the overall talent level with, with anybody they're going to add going forward. So the, they're, they're in a good spot, uh, but, but still some, some major needs to address, especially on the line of scrimmage uh, as, we, as we go into the final month of the summer here and, uh, and, and still kind of awaiting the end of the dead period as well. That's, that's one thing that's been extended, I guess, since, the, since our last podcast. Uh, the NCAA extended the dead period through the end of August, which was not a surprise by any means. Uh, August is normally a dead period anyway, but for them to take that step, you're, you're now assured of having no visits until the season starts, essentially, uh, hopefully on time. And 
that, and we'll see about that. You know, what, what end season visits might look like, uh, whether there will be any, uh, that's one thing to sort out, you know, if we're having limited crowds at games, what does that mean for recruiting? You know, we'll have to wait and see about all that, but certainly the hope is that visits can resume in September. Uh, in, in the meantime, still some guys, some important targets working toward decisions. And we, we discussed, uh, or we've discussed these guys a lot, but now it looks like Peyton page definitely, making a decision uh, sometime this month. And now he's announced that that will be July 28th. So uh, that's, that's been a three team race between Clemson, Tennessee and North Carolina. And I think, you know, probably more so between Clemson and Tennessee as, as we go down the stretch. So that one, that one is coming up. And then, uh, and then obviously smile Munden is, is the other guy who's kind of been working toward a decision, but then he also just released a top five, uh, which sort of, maybe confused people who've been hearing all about this being a two or three team race for a while, but still a sign that he's at least working towards something, but maybe that top five, a sign that he's still, you know, weeks away from making a decision. So I, I don't know if there's any guarantee he does anything that soon, but those are certainly two of the main ones that we're still watching. Uh, that could be, could be guys to watch this summer. You know, I think some other decisions still could come either later this month or next month. Demarius McGee, a highly ranked cornerback target. Tennessee is very much involved in that one. So there's still some things to watch here this summer, but definitely, as you said, Wes, the things have slowed down uh, numbers-wise for Tennessee and, and and for some other teams out there, but mostly for Tennessee because they they have so many more commitments than a lot of other teams do. And, Ramey, I know that that certainly with, with um, everything going on uh, with recruiting, you know, normally there's a ton of camps and things throughout the summer that, that we can see kind of okay, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing that, this guy's surging, this guy, yeah, he needs to maybe put, drop a few pounds. We don't have nearly as much of that information this summer because there haven't been as many of those things. However, the Elite 11 stuff uh, did still go on with some of the nation's top quarterbacks, and uh, Tennessee's commitment, uh, young Mr. Salter, was in there and did pretty well. What did you see? What did you hear from, from him at the Elite 11 competition? Yeah, the Elite 11 happening, I guess, is something maybe we could have mentioned in the first segment as a positive. People were willing yeah, there to you go. put their kids on planes and, and fly them to Nashville and let them uh, compete. And, you know, obviously it's a different event this year given everything going on. But, I mean, our, our analysts had seen Caden Salter before. I think they saw him back in January in seven-on-seven seven tournaments. So they kind of knew what to expect from him. But I think he went there in a pretty – obviously it's the Elite 11. It's a really good field of quarterback talent. Uh, and held his own. I think, you know, what, what, when he committed, what the praise was for him was the big arm. Uh, he's not afraid to go downfield, uh, attack downfield for the big plays. I think he went to Elite 11 and showed that big arm. I think that was the thing that stood out most. He's not the biggest kid in the world, six one and a half, hundred and eighty five pounds, uh, but he does have that big arm and he showed it off. I think uh, some of the superlatives that Charles Power put out after the event, uh, he gave Caden Salter the best zip uh, along with J.J. McCarthy there. So, that arm strength is there, uh, held his own. And uh, I think he continues to show uh, the physical skill set that's there uh, and the upside that he has moving forward. You know, he just he's just a one-year starter uh, at Cedar Hill in Texas. I think he had, you know, 28 touchdowns and six interceptions last year. So, obviously, there's still a, uh, a long way for him to improve and, and keep, you know, getting better. And I think that's what our analysts see in him. I think that's why they rank him as high as they do. And I think he showed that off uh, in a really, really good class of quarterbacks at the Elite 11. Yeah, and and, and this is a kid who uh, – it's crazy when you think about him being just a first-year 
you know, a one-year starter. Because normally when you think of, of a guy who would be at the Elite 11 level, right, a lot of times, not not every time, but a lot of times you would think, wow, this kid's probably been starting since he was a freshman in high school. He's been this big stud that the whole town knew about. But these guys, you know, I mean, you never know. Sometimes you play at a big program, there there might be a guy who's ahead of you who is pretty good too, or, or a guy who knows the system really well, a guy who knows everybody on the team. You know, you, you don't just, you know, kids develop at their own rates too i mean it's kind of interesting does that bother anyone here that that he's rated so highly despite just starting one year so far in high school or is that something that just is not important at all i think Uh, it speaks to his talent um obviously it's it's not a huge um you know he doesn't have a ton of you know tape and all that stuff but you can see the talent in the tape that he has accumulated and the stuff he has put together could you you not only see it in his high school games, but you also see it uh, as our, you know, analysts have saw it in seven on seven, uh, elite eleven stuff like that. So I think I don't I don't think they throw around those rankings obviously uh, very lightly to be the whatever you know number sixty two overall player in the country, number four uh, dual threat quarterback. I think uh, to to have that was you know just a one year starter. I think it just means his stock is definitely headed in the right direction. His, his arrows pointing way up. I was going to say, I think that's one reason you you maybe can be more excited about him in a way. Uh, we we kind of saw this with Justin Fields uh, back when he was in high school. You know, I, I still remember him being at a Tennessee camp, I guess, the summer going into his junior year and and getting a lot of attention uh, that that no one really knew much about him at the time. He wasn't a big-time prospect at the time, but he, he stood out every bit as much, if not more so, than Emory Jones at the time, who was a really big-time player at that point. And, uh, and, and to hear that kind of sort of meteoric rise, which really continued after his junior season. Uh, I think, I think you can see at least a similar trajectory for a guy like Caden Salter, where he was a three-star prospect back when Tennessee offered him in January. And now we've got him in our top 100 and we just moved him up within the top 100 last month. So clearly our guys see him uh, as, as a, as an on the rise prospect. I think that's, that's still a fair way to look at him. Now, now one thing on the elite 11, we didn't see much this year, unfortunately, because of the logistics of that event. So uh, more confirming his skill set was about the maximum we could get out of that event, unfortunately, just because you didn't have the seven-on-seven play. You didn't have one-on-ones. It was essentially, essentially routes on air and, and sort of accuracy competitions, which is which is fine. It's, it's better to see guys side-by-side side and get to evaluate them that way, but not the typical more thorough evaluation you normally get in the Elite 11 final setting. So... Uh, I would have liked to have seen Salter play against the defense and, and throw against uh, against coverage, but you know uh, we'll, we'll take what we can get at this point. And uh, it's a it's a limited evaluation, but it's still further proof again that his skill set measures up. And, and what I think is a pretty good quarterback class, he certainly showed he belonged. And I think that's you got to feel pretty good about that. And he makes the elite eleven, so three straight years Tennessee potentially signing an elite eleven quarterback. That's a that's a pretty big accomplishment in that quarterback room looking more talented every year. Yeah, uh, David Cuckle said all, all the time, right, you need to get at least one a year. And if you're getting an Elite 11 type guy every year, uh, you're, you're you're probably going to, you know, that's throwing a lot of good darts at the board. You, you know, I mean, that's that's a pretty good way to, to eventually get a quarterback situation straightened out. And, and, and it, we look at Tennessee from the past few years, and, you know, if the quarterback play had been more consistent the past couple of years, things might not have been as difficult as they were at times. So, I mean, that's certainly – I mean, th- th- there is no more important place on the field. 
I'll say this. I, I spoke with a couple of people who we, we didn't get to go to the Elite 11 finals again. Part of the sign of the times we, we weren't able to attend uh, because our business travel has been put on hold for now. But um, but, but by I, the way, I, we're, we are still all happily employed and we're very happy about that. So thank you. Very, very happy about that. Uh, and it, it's just I think it's playing it safe as much as anything right now with uh, with everything going on in the world. But but talking with some people who were there, obviously some Tennessee fans and other people showed up uh, in middle Tennessee to kind of you know, Caden Salter got the celebrity treatment a little bit from some people, uh, even the high school coaches in the area who helped uh, host the event uh, were, were interested in seeing the Tennessee quarterback commitment. And, and a lot of people that saw him, I think were really impressed. And I, I talked with a couple of people who said, you know, Harrison Bailey gets a lot of talk as maybe the quarterback of the future. But I, I think Salter's got just as good a chance of being the future at that position as, as Bailey does. And, and to hear that kind of uh, praise being thrown around from people who maybe weren't that familiar with him before this, uh, I, I think suggests we might have a pretty interesting quarterback battle in the future, whether that's in January or, or next spring or, or next summer, whenever that might happen. It, it could be a really interesting battle if Caden Salter can continue this kind of development that uh, this trajectory he's on. And if he can, um, you know, sort of live up to his potential, he's, he's a little more raw, but he's, he's got a, he's got a skill set that allows you to, to, to do some different things that from, from a guy like Harrison Bailey, who's obviously a more of a pro style guy, Salter gives you a little bit more of that mobility everybody likes in today's game. And that's certainly something to, to consider when, when we look ahead to next season. Uh, it, not saying Bailey's not the future, but I'm just saying I think that's a, maybe a more interesting competition potentially than people might look at it and see it as right now. You know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, Ramey, before we hit record on this podcast, he was talking about, you know, we were talking about the Sopranos and The Wire, and I've been telling him that it's a it's a better series uh the, the sopranos is good but the wire is the best show ever made and uh he just did a sopranos finale cut to black right there uh he had to he had to check out and go somewhere uh <laughs> so so before before we get out of here though guys i i didn't want to mention this as the main topic of the podcast but i certainly wanted to mention it before i get out of here so i want to touch on this quickly i i just really want to tip my cap to tennessee starting with jeremy pruitt for um, everybody's seen the things that are going on in this country right now and uh, how much uh, unrest there is, how, how bothered some people are, and justifiably so, by a lot of things that have been going on. And Tennessee, rather than sort of duck away from this, Jeremy Pruitt leaned into this and he said, I, I need to look within myself here and I, I need to figure out what, what I can do, what we can do uh, to be a part of some kind of a solution here. And, uh, you know, in college sports, a lot of times, a lot of the athletes are sort of muzzled. People are afraid about the brand. You know, kids are afraid to say something. Uh, they don't want to talk about anything uh, because they think it, it could upset their coaches. Or He basically, not only did he say, um, we're going to have internal talks about how we can make things better in this country, he basically took the, the cuffs off and said, guys, within reason, you know, don't be stupid. Say whatever is on your mind. Just be honest about this. Now Tennessee's also created a cultural committee led by T. Martin where they're making some recommendations on things that they think Tennessee could do, uh, you know, to, to be proactive about this and to do some good things in the community. Uh, guys, how surprised are you by sort of one of the, the more high-profile college football institutions historically in this country kind of taking a stance like this and saying, you know what? Um, we're not, we're not going to hide from this. We're going to, we're going to let these young men, especially these young Af African-American men come out and speak their minds. Well, I, I think it's, uh, it's a good sign of support for, from Jeremy Pruitt to uh, give his players a platform 
Um, as you mentioned, you know, we, we've seen some stories about, uh, was it Iowa where players were, weren't even allowed to like tweet and stuff. Yep. I mean, and think crazy things like that. Maybe Oklahoma state too. There was some, you know, uh, they might've been, I don't want to say maybe they weren't allowed to tweet. Maybe I'm thinking that wrong. I don't want to, I don't want to get that wrong, but, um, for, for Pruitt to, to give his guys a platform, both internally, as you mentioned, uh, to, to get their, you know, to get their thoughts on, on uh, the current climate with uh, police brutality and, and, you know, Black Lives Matter, the, the, not the organization, the movement, you know, we need to differentiate there, but, yes. um, you know, to, to give his players uh, and, and sort of give him, give them his blessing to, to speak their minds, to, uh, to go out and, and participate in a, in a protest, to go out and, and, uh, do some of the things that, that they want to do and, and create the, you know, the, um, the group that they, that they did with, with T and, and, and actually taking talk and trying to make an action. Uh, I think that's very commendable from on his part. Um, I think there are a lot of players here that, um, <clears throat> that, that are, are really impressive individual, uh, impressive people off the field. A lot of people, um, you know, think of these guys just as football players and, and only view them in the context of what they do on Saturdays, but they're college kids. They're going through stuff. They have all come from different backgrounds and different upbringings, and they all have different things and different thoughts to bring to the table. And um, it's been refreshing to hear some of them be honest and frank and, and open about things. And um, I kind of just speaking from my point of view, I, I hope it, it continues and I hope that they're uh, continue to, to speak out on, on things uh, um, and societal issues. And, uh, it's good to hear from their perspective. And I think uh, a lot of us could do, uh, could do good listening and, and try to see what, uh, where they're coming from on, on some of these things. It's, I, I think you got to give Jeremy Pruitt a, a, a lot of credit for how he has handled this. Um, and, and, and Tennessee for that matter, you know, sort of putting out a unified statement for all their head coaches before, uh, before a lot of other schools said much publicly that, you know, sort of getting out in front of it, making it clear they were going to support their players and, and, and be, be advocates uh, for, for their cause uh, and, and helping to change things. So I, I think Tennessee's been, uh, been sort of a, an industry leader in this, so, so to speak, uh, where, where some other coaches have maybe stuck their foot in, in their mouth a little bit. Um, Jeremy Pruitt definitely hasn't done that. And he's, uh, he's made this a, uh, a, a, a positive in, in a way uh, or helped his players sort of turn this into a positive and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what this continues to do in the future but I, I definitely think Tennessee has um, yeah, got, gotten in front of this and handled it very well and, and uh, I think and obviously the players people within the program are, are happy to see that it's being handled that way and, and uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's something Jeremy Pruitt can uh, I think rest a little more easily about things at night knowing that he's he's handled it this way and that this is um, you know this this is going to be looked at positively in the future as well and and something that uh, I, I think recruits and a lot of people are taking notice of too you know he, Jeremy Pruitt you wouldn't have expected when all this started that necessarily Jeremy Pruitt would be the guy in the SEC that we're all talking about handling this really well but I think he's you know maybe more so than anybody in the conference sort of been uh, been a leader in, in helping Tennessee um handle this as well as anybody yeah the thought that's gone through my head throughout this entire thing has been that you hear this phrase and it's kind of like 
it's a cliche, really. You hear the phrase players coach, right? These guys say, oh, I'm a players coach, or they'll say he's a players coach. It's hard to really consider yourself a players coach if you are not allowing your players to actually express themselves. Uh, that, that would be more of a player control coach than a players coach. And uh, I, I think that it's, it's important that, that Jeremy Pruitt has taken this stance that he's taken. And, and I think you see in some of this, you see why throughout recruiting there have been so many kids from so many different walks of life who have enjoyed kind of working for him and, and, and playing for him and getting to know him. Because people – I think it kind, of, it kind of surprises people sometimes because you see Pruitt and you're like, oh, you know, look at this. He's just a traditional kind of old-school Southern football coach. I, you know, there's a lot to that guy. And uh, I think that, that in a situation like this, it's it's unfortunate that it took this to get some people to understand it. Um, but I think it's good that uh, people are getting to see uh, just sort of how he is with things. And, and I, I think it's, you know, it, it's been really, really important. And I think it's something that matters a tremendous amount to the players on his team. And uh, could that do anything tangibly different for on the on the field? I, I don't know that it that it that it doesn't. I don't know that it doesn't help. Uh, you know, you want your players to run through a wall for the coach. Usually, they play better when they do, and they feel like this guy has their back. And, and I, I think that's you know the the last thing I'll say about this is that when all these protests first start up, I you know there was a couple guys at Tennessee that I needed to get a hold of for some stuff we were working on. And I made a joke just to one of the the people in ten, in the athletic department. I said, "Oh well, guess I can forget about getting those guys, huh? Not going to be a while for everybody to talk." And uh, very quickly, but very politely, the person went, "Oh no, uh, we've already told the guys. Um, you you can say whatever you want on this. This is important. This is one of the most important things that that's happened in their lives. Uh, the, if they want to talk about it, they're free to do so." And you could have knocked me over with a feather at that point. Uh, because that is just so much different from the way things normally go uh, at some of these big college football factories, and I just thought that was, um, I thought that was really, really commendable. Uh, I think it's really nice how Tennessee's handled this thing. I think that it's college is an important time for people to kind of figure out who they are as young people and adults, and transitioning from childhood into adulthood. And I think that an important part of the process is letting them kind of grow up and, and speak their minds. You know, it's just like you, you watch kids growing up and you say, oh, he almost kind of, it's almost like an adult now. Well, I mean, this is what, this is what college is. These guys are 18. They can vote. They can be drafted into the military. They have a right to be heard if they want to talk. And if you don't want to hear it, you don't have to. Uh, you can hit the mute button, but I think it's good that, that they're going to come out and say, listen, uh, we want you to hear this. And if you don't care about this, we don't care that you don't care about this. So I think it's a neat thing. Guys, before we step out of here, anything else uh, going on? Anything else that we haven't mentioned? Anything that we need to discuss before we play the music and get out of here? No, I think we're good. I think that's a good place to leave it then. I think that's. I do think it's important to point out that uh, the reason Grant went soprano on us is his computer died. Well, I was going to be polite about it, but pro tip is uh, always charge your stuff. (laughs) Savage, you savage. And we can just we can now we can just trash him because he's not here. You savage. I wasn't going to do it to him, but now that you did, yeah, I'll. uh, You're an idiot, Ramy. I'll put him on blast. I don't care. (laughs) We'll end on that note.
He put me on blast because I got further and farther wrong. So, ha, revenge. Take that. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is uh, I don't have a power cord uh, at Twitter.com. Just kidding. He's Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can find all of us on Facebook at facebook.com slash govals247. Or if you want just Tennessee news all the time, you can go to facebook.com slash govals247 and and twitter.com slash govals247. Or you can go get that delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water right from the tap, right from the source, from our beautiful, clear Smoky Mountain taps right there at govals247.com. Got all kinds of good deals, all kinds of good stuff. And I'm telling you, You might think there's not a lot of stuff going on right now, guys, but we are pumping out content still at a really high clip. We have got more than a dozen fresh things every single day, and that's lowballing it sometimes as to the new content that we have fresh every single day. Go to GoVols247.com and check it out. People, when you come, they usually stay, and the reason for that is... We've got, we've got a good product, I think. I'm not afraid to say that. We have a good product there, and we're we're making do right now uh, with everything that we've got. And last thing, go check on this podcast. Click on it. Subscribe to it. Rate and review it, please. I see how many of y'all are listening. I see the numbers. We need more people rating and reviewing it because of these numbers that we have. So go do that, please. And uh, if nothing else, you will hear from us later in the week. Pat, you got any final thoughts? Nope. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.